Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out... One hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It is a Thursday. It's the playoffs, baby. We've made it. I cannot believe we're in week 15. I cannot believe that in... Uh, and I guess it's what 14, 15 days. This this whole thing is over. Um, I no, don't know, don't eighteen days, eighteen days. If you're playing in a, a normal season, and if you play week eighteen, what are you doing playing in a league with with eighteen weeks? That's madness. As you see, as those stocks, so uh, stocks uh, also has COVID. I still have COVID, even though I'm doing a lot better. Thank you so much for the well wishes. Um, I put that out there not for my own sympathy charm, but just to say that Sunday was going to be really quiet and didn't post a lot of content. So um, appreciate all the messages. I'm doing much better. I got some antivirals and that's kicked everything to the curb, but I'm still testing positive. I feel fine, but stocks is off, but it's fine. I've got an amazing guest. He came to bail me out. Um, <laughs> if you don't know who he is, I don't know where you've been living because he's an absolutely phenomenal guy. Uh, his name is Shane. The Shane is... Uh, just an absolute legend. He runs another charity tournament like myself. He runs Polly's Playoffs, which I made the final of a couple of years ago. And I would have, um, yeah, would have definitely made the playoffs this year had I not lost every single quarterback going. <laughs> and I lost I was top of my division, had won six straight, and then I lost Burrow. I lost every QB going, and I'm kind of dead. He also hosts the FFRZ, or FFRZ if you're in America, Redemption uh, podcast, and he contributes to Road to Eat. Shane Barrett, welcome to Five Year Rush. How are you, my friend? Murph, my friend. I am happy to be here again with you. Um, and, yeah, I also missed the playoffs and Polly's playoff this year. Um, I probably, and I knew going in that this was a bad idea, but I probably shouldn't have put all of my stock in my favorite team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, because uh, <laughs> as they rode, so did I, and as they fell, so did I. Um, so just narrowly missed out in my division. Had a really tough division too. Uh, shout out to Jake Perry, Joe Dolan, and Jimin Jay, and then I think FF Koala is the fourth guy that made it out of our division. Yeah, it was it was salty. Uh, in my division yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh, 
Oh yeah, you you had some heavy hitters. No, see that's what I love. I love the fact you as the host ended up giving yourself an absolute beastie division. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's awesome. I I love the the folks in my division. It's actually a lot of folks I don't know uh, all that well either. So it's a lot of for me. It was nice because a lot of players I've not played with too often. Um, yeah. uh, Tequila operator I played with before, and Capra MC I played with before. Um and Cap MC end up with the one seed. Um, but it was just a good nature group. I like Polly's playoffs, definitely get involved next year. What um tell everyone what you raise money for because it's a really interesting uh charity and and the things that you're doing there as well. Yeah, so Polly's playoff is a our main fundraiser for me and my wife. Uh, for the walk to end Alzheimer's. So it all goes directly to the Alzheimer's Association. Um, and the reason that we chose that is because my wife's grandmother passed away in 2019 from Alzheimer's. Um, so we'd been participating in the walk for a couple of years at that point and needed a, a good fundraiser because we had made a dent um, with our fundraising efforts before. But then I was in Scott Fishbowl's division, my very first Scott Fishbowl. And got to know him and he was like, kind of like, he, he just inspired me and I think he's inspired you too. But it's like, mm. if you've got a platform to do good, then go out and do good. And I was like, well, I'm going to do good and do something that I care about. And that's where Polly's playoff was born from. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I think what um, what Scott's done is incredible. What he's managed to give back to people um and then yeah he's inspired a load of us it's not just you and me but there's yeah 15 20 other people running these charity contests now that are raising uh, a heck of a lot of money which is mm-hmm. it's just amazing you know we have such a powerful community it's good we do that uh shout out to justin oh dustin sorry uh from pennsylvania made playoffs in three or four leagues um if you missed my show earlier where I defended the right for people to say how many playoffs they've made you should you should say you made three or four playoffs or you know, 51 or 40 or 60 or whatever it is. Like, it's like celebrate it. It's hard yeah. work making your fantasy playoffs. It was too much negativity on X and Twitter. Uh, I'm just too week. lazy to count. <laughs> I don't post it anymore because people rag on me for it. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to say, I'll say, I'll say the percentage. So I made 70%. That's solid. Yeah. I'm I'm ha- like if I'm batting seventy percent, I'm quite happy with that. So I made the playoffs in the three leagues that mattered the most to me outside of my own charity tournament, which is uh both my home league dynasty, which is when I lived in Alabama, so it's that home league. Then I'm in a Carolina uh keeper au- auction keeper league with G Min J. It's actually his home league, and he invited to- me to that a couple years ago. So I made the playoffs in that. That's a fun story. And then I made the playoffs in my family league, um, which for like the pat like last year was the first time I had made it in four years. Uh, so now I've made it two years in a row. So hopefully I can go out there and win it this year. So go bring a ship home. Uh, I'm still alive in the Scott Fish Bowl. I'm in the nice. five hundred. Uh, I think there's five of us left in the UK. Uh, I'm last man standing in my division, which was the London Live Draft division. Nice. Um, a lot of fallers this week. I kind of thought a few people would get there um, more. I was projected to finish in the bottom 100 too. So <laughs> I, I take extra pride in it this year because I actually walked away. I was quite happy with my build. And then I um, 
got slated for it. Um, <laughs> and actually, it's like, no, I was I, I was right to feel quite happy. I've got lucky, don't get me wrong. I've not had that many injuries oh, other than Jimmy nice. Garoppolo. It's the, the biggest injury I've had. So, oh, Or not even like injured, but he's benched. But that's cool. I lost yeah. Nick Chubb. And uh, I lost Nick Chubb and didn't get Kamara back in time to recover from it. And my QB play was atrocious. Yeah, and Scottish Bowl, I had that last year. I lost all my quarterbacks last year. So it's just like you're literally just hanging on for yeah. dear breath if you lose them. Um, it's It's been a funny season, Dustin, to hear that it's been brutal. It has been brutal. Uh, and evening, Nate, it's uh, good to have you here with us. It is a, it's been a brutal season. We've seen even more brutal injuries in week 14. We've lost Justin Herbert just when we couldn't lose any more um, quarterbacks. I, I read something this week that... Uh, QBs eight through fourteen drafted. I think only one of them playing this yeah, weekend. Some, uh, I think Jeff Bell tweeted something. Yeah, uh, this week about all of the quarterbacks that were out. Um, and it was like QB one through QB thirty, and I can't remember who all was out. Uh, and I had to pipe in because I saw that Baker Mayfield was left off the list based off of ADP. Um, and Baker's still healthy and still getting you 15, 20 points a game. So. He's yeah, there. Let's not, let's not go there. He fluked one last week. Uh, I'm I'm a Tampa fan, and I'm not enjoying. There was, in fact, I got triggered uh, today on Facebook on a Tampa fan site where someone said that um, Baker Mayfield's absolutely dealing. Oh, he's cooking at the moment, and they posted the, a PF or a um, a tweet from PFF saying last two week or in two weeks he's achieved this and it was from his first two weeks of the season and I had to go in and correct all the stats. He's thrown 48% over the last two weeks. Ooh. Yes, he's won, but he's thrown 48%. Can't be cooking if you're throwing 48%. I mean, Not unless you're putting up been, yards. Like, uh, and he hasn't been. 317 yards in two games. Total? So he's averaging, yeah, total. So he's averaging less than 160 uh, a game over the last two games. Three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's been okay. Like, I'm not sitting here slating the guy, but he hasn't been great. Let's let's put the parameters on. And, you know, Rashad White breaks one last week. And, again, it's like the Jake Browning thing, and we'll get into it. Like, Jake Browning's numbers have looked amazing. And then, actually, when you strip out two massive Chase Brown uh, plays, a 99-yard touchdown, a 60-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden – diminishes that slightly still worth the upside but yeah you gotta be a bit careful but 100 what for you in week uh in week 14 really sort of surprised you in terms of uh things that happened and is, is there anything that really sort of stood out for you that was just nuts um i think the biggest thing for me was the titans i so and i'll i'll get into a story here if you'll let me yeah, the Titans beating the Dolphins. So I'm watching that game. I have Tua. The guy that I'm playing has Waddle and the Dolphins defense. <laughs> and then in another matchup that I need to go correctly, one of the guys has Tyreek Hill. And I need that guy to lose. So I'm I and I had a basketball game that night. I come home. I'm watching the game, and I those two fumble recoveries happen basically on back to back plays. And I'm like, I'm going to lose on a freaking fumble recovery because it was like a one-point game before the fumble recovery, and then bam, I'm losing. And 
what Will Levis was able to do, and honestly what the Dolphins' defense gave up, actually ended up getting me into the playoffs because their point total kept getting reduced because of the yardage that they gave up and then ultimately the Titans getting to 28 points. And I got I ended up winning by 10 because of that's how much of a point reduction they had. So the fact that they were able to beat them after going down 14, it was in the third or fourth quarter, I can't remember which, and being able to come back and win, that was the most surprising thing for me from week 14. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a, a wild game. I didn't watch it live, but I went back and watched it and was like, I just couldn't believe the the way that the Dolphins fell apart. It just yeah, was, it was, it, they, it was, it was cuckoo. I just couldn't it believe it. I was perfect like, for the Titans. Like they got everything they needed to happen, happened. Yeah. And, and I just, you look at the Dolphins schedule, like that loss could be pivotal. It could be absolutely pivotal because as much as Buffalo haven't been great, they go and turn over the Chiefs. Their schedule opens up a little bit in the next couple of games. And you're sitting there thinking like, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins really lost the stranglehold in first place that they could have had because their schedule is going to get tighter. It's going to get more difficult. Yep. Tua doesn't play particularly well against top 10 ranked defenses. So this is going to be a tough stretch for him and the team. So it's going to be interesting to see that how much of that plays on the minds coming into this week uh rob's asked me about where my piano's hiding um pure and simple uh alexi sanchez of manchester united or when he signed for manchester united stole my piano <laughs> and i'll leave it at that it's a niche soccer reference there um but yes uh definitely a shocking uh a shocking result i almost put that but i'm gonna go with if we're gonna go with a real world scenario i'm gonna go back to the buccaneers um how the heck are we in 2023 and a head coach in of the pedigree of uh, Todd Bowles? I'm talking about as just a head coaching pedigree, but as a coaching pedigree, yeah. allow a team to go out with nine guys. Like and he's a defensive guy, right? He's a defensive, like he's the best defensive coordinator in football, and he sends a team out with nine guys. Like, what are we doing? And it's like, I sat there at the time I watched it, and I was like oh, well, probably the camera angle's out. And I kind of didn't think any more of it. I got caught up in the game and whatever. And then I saw on Twitter that actually, yeah, the guy, he put out nine guys. Apparently there was an injury to Golston um, and there were, he was going to be substituted and it led to this confusion. But you can't, well-run teams don't allow that to happen. And do you know what? If there is a miscommunication, what do you do? You go and correct it. You call a timeout. You take the time. You know, mistakes happen. That's okay. Not recognizing there's a mistake. That's the bigger problem. And I I have this, not theory, I have this belief that this coaching staff runs on autopilot. It generally prescripts the same plays, has very prescriptive play calling for game situations that occur that are planned in advance. And there's very little in-game movement, very little in-game coaching. And mistakes like that really put my thinking in place that actually that is likely true that they're not watching the the game to game scenarios they're not watching this and you know everyone's talking about how great a week Bijan Robinson had yeah but he benefited from a touchdown where there's nine guys on the field like, <laughs> that stuff shouldn't happen it shouldn't happen at this level of sport no. and that is an issue that you know if you don't watch games and you're watching box scores, you'll look at B. John Robinson, you'll see his usage, and you'll go, yeah, he's back. He's going to be great. 
the two things. One, game script. This game was close all the way through and they were behind, which they're not going to be this week. And two, he scored a touchdown when there were nine guys. Like, I can't overstate this. That that doesn't happen in the NFL. I cannot tell you the last time I saw I don't think I've ever seen nine guys on a field. Like, yeah. I think it's absolutely uh, ridiculous, and ridiculous. There was 10 on the field earlier this season. I can't remember what the game oh, I've was. I've seen 10. 10 uh, happens, but, but I've nine, never yeah. seen nine. Yeah. Like, it's it's just wild. Like, I just am in disbelief now that at this level of sport, that can happen. So, yeah, I, I, that just got me. I'm still triggered about it now, as you can probably tell. <laughs> I can tell, yeah. Well, and that, like, we were talking about Baker earlier. Like, I followed a couple of Buccaneers accounts just because I'm a Baker fan and just wanted to kind of get some insight, see what other people were thinking, try and take my bias out of it. And a lot of people have been like, look, Baker's been fine. The coaching staff has absolutely been horrible, especially the defense when it comes to the Buccaneers. Because, mm. I mean, they're what, six and seven, if I remember correctly? Yeah, six they're and seven, top of the it, division, though. Top of the division at six and seven. They can make the playoffs. If they can get their defense to play better, then I think Baker is good enough to at least get you through a round of the playoffs. Depending on who you match up with, but like, well, I, I think that's it. It depends on who you match up with because you're playing the five seed. So I would argue okay. that you're going to be playing the, the Cowboys best. or the Eagles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I don't believe that they will. Um, I I have a different take. I don't I don't think Baker's that good. I mean, he's okay. I I put him in the bottom ten of quarterbacks. He's he's fine. He'll yeah. beat the teams he has to go out there and beat. And the one thing that's impressed me with Baker Mayfield, I've I've spoken openly that I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan, but he has got heart. He has got yeah. he has got tenacity. Like I don't think he is blessed with great athletical traits. I don't think he's blessed with great uh, technique and break skill. But yeah. I do think he is willing to put himself on the line, and he does yeah. have a real solid. Like the one thing I didn't have him down for was that kind of like passion, determination, grit, that yeah. really like hard stuff. I didn't think he had that. So like the, yeah. that is something he's impressed me with. Um, I hope he's not the quarterback of the team next season. Next year. not yeah. It's not so much a slight on him. It's he's going to want paying. He's not worth paying. He's, yeah. he's on a $4 million deal. I'm okay with it on a... Yeah. 20 30 million dollar deal i absolutely want no part of it um yeah. and it, it's he, he's fine he, if you look at his level of play he's better than 10 quarterbacks in the league right now but that's not where is you can't build an organization around no definitely Mayfield. and that's that's kind of it he's going to do really well in like that nick Foles role you yeah. lose a guy you need to get rounds with someone he's he's a backup level player for me um but we'll see what happens. But is, what else in, in week uh, 14 got you uh, really surprised or hot under the collar? Amon Ra St. Brown. And that <laughs> one hurt. Um, three catches, eight targets, only 21 yards. And if my math's right, that's 5.1 PPR points. He had not had a single digit performance all year long, if I remember correctly. Maybe the week before. Yeah, I, I I have no idea what happened. No. He got the volume. I just and I did I didn't get to watch and haven't had a chance to go back and watch, but I don't understand how someone who's been a 
perennial top 10 wide receiver from a fantasy perspective since he's been in the league has this kind of performance. Yeah, and I, I put a lot of it on, on Jared Goff. I just don't think Jared Goff was good in this game. Yeah. Um, I don't think he had a good game. I don't think he looked uh, particularly solid. Um, I, I, I There was a lot of things that happened in this game. I, I the If you look at uh, yards per attempt, that went through the floor. Like, it was half of what it was the week before. Um, he was throwing at an average of 4.6, which is just bizarre. I don't get what was entirely going on. He threw, he made really bad decisions, which is something that Goff hasn't done this season. And he just looked out of kilt. He looked out of rhythm. He looked out of sync. Um, 57% completion percentage, again, his lowest of the season. And I think when your quarterback's having an off day, unfortunately, that's going to transpire through to, to everybody else. Um and I think that's literally all it was. I think they just, they struggled. I don't know why they struggled. I'm sure there'll be a debrief. But I also think uh, golf has really sort of got off the boil in the last three, four games. And they've kind of scrambled and put some results together um, through great play on the defense, through great play on special teams, through uh, Gibbs and Montgomery. Uh, I think through the air, they kind of been sort of holding it together. And Montrassi Brown's played well. And I think eventually that that all kind of caught up. And it's kind of, I was like you, completely shocked. And then when I looked through the last month, I go, yeah, okay. Probably not should have seen this lower game happening, but we should yeah. have seen the ceiling come down because yeah, Goff's, Goff's not been great. And um, I kind of, I have him outside of QB1 range now um, this week. And I've got him kind of in a tie with Jake Browning which is oh kind gosh. of a testament to, <laughs> one, how well Browning's played the last couple of weeks, and two, yeah. just how bad golf has been. I think it's yeah. a dangerous place to be. So, yeah, if you're relying on that um, situation, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's 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 a tough one. Um, I picked out Rico Dowdle. I've talked about Rico Dowdle absolutely tons on this podcast. Uh, I almost have turned into a Rico Dowdle fan podcast because of how much I talk about him. Um, <laughs> but he... Usage is really interesting on Sunday because he he's being used a lot more in so typically like Dowdle's usage coming garbage time. The mm. Giants have uh, the Cowboys have blown out teams. They bring Dowdle on. They rest Pollard. Um, and then I I sort of have been talking about for a few weeks the usage of Pollard. And I was like, okay, Pollard's usage is going to have to come and be capped at some point, and Dowdle's going to get work. Whether it's valuable work or not is something else. And then this game, we kind of saw it. We saw the fact that Dowdle got significantly more work in the third quarter and second mm -hmm. quarter of the game. And actually, GameScript kind of determined this a little bit more, where actually when the game was close, Dowdle took a seat, Pollard came in, and Pollard came in and smashed the fourth quarter. But Dowdle got a lot of early work. 11 times in the first three quarters, he got the ball. Uh, his previous uh, before that was six. He got a goal line snap. He scored a touchdown. I mean, he was a lot more involved. And I actually think that the the Cowboys are going to do a lot more of this in the next few weeks. I think Dowdle is going to get that. He's almost the last season's Tony Pollard. He's going to get the work in between the 20s. Pollard's still going to get all the value work. He's still going to get all, like, I'm not worried about the Vulture touchdown. That was just something that happened. I don't think that's going to be a, a constant thing. I think it's going to be, Pollard is still the guy you want to own. And actually, I think if people are worried about Dowdle, I wouldn't be for Pollard. Pollard's going to have less touches, but he's going to be greater efficiency because he's not yeah. going to be as tight. So I think well, it's, I, it's it's addition through subtraction for Pollard, I see, is this. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like 
we've seen that all year with Pollard where he hasn't been able to handle like the Zeke role, if you will, and be as efficient and explosive as he was in his previous role. Um, And so now that they've got Dowdle and it seems like they trust him, it's giving Pollard that ability to actually be explosive like everyone kind of expected all year long. Yeah. And it's great news. I, you know, volume is king, but also mm-hmm. losing some of the low value stuff is not a big thing. Yeah. You know, it, you know, Pollard losing five carries for 30 yards, put that in context. It's three, it's three points. Like, but if he he'll make that back up in being more efficient, mm-hmm. so you're not going to see huge decrease in his points. In fact, you're only likely to see an increase. He'll make those three points off by being more efficient on his other carries because he won't be as tired and won't be hit as much. Um, and also, you're prolonging his fantasy season because the touch rate he was on after seven eight games was ridiculous. He was on for 400 touches. No running back now really gets 400 touches. Yeah. You know, those days are kind of gone. So actually, it's good to see that volume come down, but he's not losing points. So he's not losing a significant amount of points for it to make a big difference. Obviously, if you lose a matchup by a point, you're going to be really peeved, but it shouldn't happen (laughs) too often. Um, You mentioned you're a Jags fan. Uh, Let's talk about your last thing that surprised you uh, because it does involve the Jags. Yeah. So I put on here that. Trevor Lawrence throwing 50 passes and he ran the ball three times um, for essentially 53 touches for Trevor Lawrence on a bum ankle. Like I was surprised by that. And then I've got a stat for you later in the show that will explain kind of the rushes and the the team had 20 carries. Um, And I was just surprised by that. I feel like if they, like, I know they need to win um, to get into the playoffs and they're, They've kind of squandered their own shot at the one seed right now. Um, but they're, they've still got to win the division too. And so I just feel like the way to do that is to maintain Lawrence's health. And I don't know. I felt like throwing 50 times and him having three carries and not relying more on other teammates um, was a bit questionable in my per- personal opinion. Uh, and also, and you think about the nature of the opposition you're playing, one of the best passing defenses in the NFL, yeah. are you really going to gain a significant advantage throwing the ball 50 times on a guy who's got a high ankle sprain? Clearly wasn't 100%. Absolutely not. I, it was a maddening decision. I, I said this earlier as well. I completely agree. Um, I've got mine, which is even more maddening, is Zay Jones. Um, Zay Jones... His stat line is one of the most shocking I've ever seen. So not the five for 29 part, because that's what it is. He had yeah. 14 targets. Yeah. He had 14 targets. He only caught five. Something... Like, that's absolutely wild. Like, he's only caught five of 14 passes for 29 well, here's yards. Here's the, the flip side of that. Well, hold on. I'll get to the flip side of that in just a second, actually. <laughs> well... So his his expected fantasy points per game in there was negative 19.9. He was 19.9 points off what he should have done based on his target volume. Like, that's just absolutely ridiculous in terms of how bad it's, how bad that is. Like, it's you want to know what's worse? Go on then. 
I was so the reason that I was I was saying the worst part about the flip side of that is I wanted to check what Calvin Ridley's targets were. Ridley had thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I know. Four receptions for fifty-three yards. Yeah, it, it was almost as bad. I mean, that goes back to my point of why are you throwing the ball fifty times with your hurt quarterback? No, it, it and then there was sense. a game earlier in the season. I. I want to say it might have been the first Houston game where they were throwing the ball to Zay Jones in the back of the end zone multiple times in that game. And I'm like, I understand that Trevor Lawrence has some chemistry and a connection with Zay Jones. Throw the gosh darn ball to Calvin Ridley. Ridley is the more talented receiver. I don't care about the connection at this point. Like, you got to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And Ridley sh- has shown that when he's been when he's gotten the ball. Yeah, it's definitely been a scheming issue this year with that offense. It is very bizarre how they have and how they've managed that situation through the year. Um, because in the first few games, they played a lot of 12. And then when they played a lot of 12, it was uh, Christian Kirk that didn't mm-hmm. really – he sat out, which is a guy you're paying $85 million over four years. Um, seemed strange that he was fake, but they did this in the preseason. So it wasn't that strange because yeah. if you'd watched the preseason, you'd seen this. And then but Ridley and then balled out in the preseason. That's what they really balled out in the preseason. And then really balled out early in 12 with Zay Jones. And you're like, okay. And then they bring Kirk in and then that causes Ridley the fade. And they somehow haven't been able to work out how to play Ridley and Kirk and get them both cooking in the same game. Because yeah. it should be possible, right? You've got an elite Absolutely. running back in Travis Etienne. You've got a pretty decent offensive line. It's not the greatest, but it's not bad. They've been banged up a little too, but everybody's banged, banged up. up. But, yeah, exactly. But it's getting, like, it's not terrible. And then yeah. you've got Trevor Lawrence, uh, who can take a hit and can stand and deliver in the pocket. And then you've got Kirk and Ridley. And for some reason, this Jags offense has had moments, and it's sparkled. But it hasn't quite put it together. And it's very, very strange. And I don't know if it's coaching. I, 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 I can only think it's some of it has to be. Because you've got all yeah. of this talent. You should be able to make it work and be better than what it is. So, yeah. and I guess we'll digest it a bit better. They are in a tough conference. You know, if they were in the NFC, they probably win 12 games. Um yeah. But they're not. So ultimately, you got to play. But they are in a weak division. They're in a weak division. They should be. They should be further ahead in that division than they are. Um, it's a strange one, but uh, we'll we'll get to learn a bit more about it, I guess, over the next <laughs> few weeks. But it is interesting. Yeah, I we'll get was to learn that... more about it this show. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, I'm just shocked. I'm with you. I'm shocked like, he threw the ball 50 times. It's, it just is lunacy to me. Like, I can't believe someone hasn't just stopped that from happening. Like, yeah. um, it didn't make any sense because they were so inefficient as well. Um, let's talk about some players and some trends that you picked up on uh, that are going to be really important over, over the next few weeks. So uh, you want to give me a list of sort of three or four to start, and then I'll go with three or four, and then we'll, we'll go back with some forwards. Yeah, I'm going to save the one that we've been teasing for a little bit. Okay, um, love it. Because I, I want to dive into that a lot. Um, okay, first one is, and this is more so just like, I'm so tired of hearing about Jalen Warren being <laughs> like this. Like, to me, it's Zeke and Pollard. Like, 
Yeah. Najee Harris is still good enough to be an RB. I would say an RB one. Their offensive line is horrible. Matt Canada is yeah. finally gone, but Kenny Pickett sucks. Okay. Yeah. Najee Harris has not had less than a 51% snap share all season long, except for weeks three and four. And this week he faces the Indianapolis defense. That is 29th against running backs in fantasy. Najee Harris for me is a smash start because he's going, he's been getting the volume and he's never been an efficient guy. I think this is the week that we see similar to what we've, what I expected for Najee all year long, which is he's going to get somewhere between 15 and 20 carries. I don't even, I need to go check, but I think he's only had a hundred yards once this season. I'd expect that and a touchdown um, because I, you got to rely on Najee. Like he's one of those guys that I think could handle. He's handled it before 350 touches. Yeah. And I know and, that's not popular, but I don't know. I'm tired of hearing about Jalen Warren, like taking over this backfield. Cause he's not come close. No, he's not come close. Um, Najee Harris has been the more efficient back. He's not been the most explosive. So definitely Jalen Warren has had more explosive rushing attempts. He's had more explosive runs. That can't be debated. That is what yeah. it is. Um, but Najee Harris has carried the ball uh, above the two. He's carried the ball an additional 62 times. Yes, he only has an additional 80-ish rushing yards. Um but both these guys are running pretty well. Both are over rushing yards over expected. Jalen Warren, because he broke two big plays, is significantly ahead. But then also, you know, I, I did some digging because I've been with you on this. I still think Najee Harris is the guy. I think Matt Canada is an idiot. I'm glad he's gone. Um, but, you know, Najee Harris sees a stacked box more. Seeing a stacked box absolutely about 13, 13% of the time, which isn't particularly high. Um, but he's seeing a lot of seven defenders in the box as well. And that's because teams think that Kenny Pickett can't throw the ball. So they're saying, <laughs> right, we're going to stop you from getting big runs, big chunk runs on the ground. The offensive line isn't creating big holes. And then on top of this, you've got um, teams just playing seven in the box just to control things and saying, hey, you want to get four yards of carry? You can have four yards of carry. But we're going to stop big gains. We're going to make you beat us in the air. And Kenny Pickett's kind of done enough. Again, he's in that sort of Baker Mayfield territory, not as good, where he's just kind of not lost games. But he hasn't really gone out and won games because he's not had to. And then actually when they played weakened opposition the last couple of weeks, they, they've struggled. Mitch Trubisky struggled. Um, effectively, yeah, it's a combination of the O-line's the worst in the league. That's never going to help. So um, but... But Najee Harris is, you know, again, I'm with you. I've I've never bought into Jalen Warren having uh, the control of this backfield, and there's nothing even now to suggest. Even all the reports, this is Jalen Warren's backfield to take over. It's not mm-hmm. happened. It's not going to happen. They still believe in Najee Harris. He's still getting the predominant touches, as you say, the 51% snap share. He's never been under that. So Jalen Warren's never dominated uh, at any point. It's just Jalen Warren is, like you say, Zeke and... But the, I think the difference is, whereas with Zeke and Pollard, Pollard had less usage but was more effective. Mm-hmm. Warren has more usage than what Pollard was getting, 
but he's not getting the green touches. He's not getting the big touches at the end yeah. of the field. And he's a startable option. Don't get me wrong. These guys are back-to-back in my rankings every single week. I have them at low RB2, high RB3. They cannibalize each other. But you're not getting ceilings out of either of these players. It's just unfortunate. Um, and I wish that the I wish the Steelers organization would just wheel in, uh, rein in Warren a little bit. Just if it was 60-40, I'd feel a lot better. But Yeah, it's uh, getting there, if I remember correctly from looking at it. Um, but And the one area where Warren has affected Najee the most has been targets. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely hurt his fantasy value. So, all right. My next one is uh, Cortland Sutton has a touchdown in every game this year, but three. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> every single one, but three um, dudes on a heater uh, has that connection with Russ. Um, I actually just traded for him in my home league dynasty to try and help with my playoff push. Um, so that is the w- one. And then uh, one more before we switch over to you. Wow. He's yeah. actually, yeah, he's tight second amongst all wide receivers and touchdowns. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, but only has 700 yards. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we'll go. I'm going to go. Will Levis has three top 20 finishes in his last four starts. And for the fantasy playoffs, he has Houston twice and Seattle once. And both of those are bottom half against fantasy quarterbacks. So sneaky, sneaky option. Yep. If you're struggling at the quarterback, if you lost Justin Herbert, if you've been starting, let's say Gardner Minshew, like he's a sneaky option. I like him. Yeah. All right. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I've already talked about Bijan. I'll go there. Um, yeah, he had seven high-value touches. A game script, I think, for me, does that. Three touches inside the 10, including one against a nine Mandy, which I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so, look, I'm, the bottom line is people are going to scream and go, yeah, it's his best game of the season. This game was really close all the way through. I don't think the Falcons are going to be in many close games. They've got the, they've got the uh, Panthers this week. They're going to blow them out which means I think it's going to be Algier. Um, everyone's projecting Bijan to be this mid-range RB1. I Look, he's still a start play. I'm not saying you, you don't play Bijan. I'm just not seeing top six of the position ceiling. I don't see it. Um, I think you're going to... For me, he's more at bottom RB1, top of RB2, that 10 to 14 range. That's where I have him. I'm lower than consensus. I get it. I just, I'm looking at inside the numbers. He doesn't get, if he doesn't get that touchdown against nine men, you know, he's in RB2 range last week. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. He, and he might have scored. He might have scored with 11 men on the field, but I can't ignore that. You know, he's not a high production touchdown guy. It's getting better, it's trending slightly upwards. He's got he's, three juicy matchups for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad matchups, wow. but but are you trusting Arthur Smith no. to use him in the way? Now, listen, if this was a different coaching staff on a different team, I would be going, yeah, I'd be excited. I'm just not sure I'm excited. I'm just not sure I'm there. 
based on Arthur Smith and the way that he's got a tendency to use it. Like, everyone's come out of Kyle Pitts and like, oh, it's finally Kyle Pitts' season. He had a great game last week. He did have a great game last week. He had a great game last week because the for some reason, and I don't know why, they decided that they weren't going to play um, – they weren't going to play a lot of 11 personnel for some reason. And I don't understand this. The Falcons have decided that Kyle Pitts can't play in 11. I don't know why I, I genuinely baffles me why they think Johnny Smith plays better in 11 than, than Kyle Pitts or more importantly, while Kyle Pitts can't line up as a wide receiver in 11 personnel when they're playing Kaderiel Hodge and Van Jefferson and, whoever else they're lining up there, but they don't. They, they, he just doesn't play that much in 11 personnel. So then <coughs> they decided to abandon that. I think it was their fifth or sixth highest rated scheme on Sunday. So just be weary of these trends, especially in isolation. So with a Bijan trend in isolation, the Kyle Pitts trend in isolation, they're great, but they don't, screen to me that this is an instant opportunity for them to blow up like <laughs> they would be on other teams because the Falcons are just weird they do stuff differently to other teams it doesn't make a lot of sense it seems very scattergun that's all I'm saying uh, on, on Bijan um, Rashi Rice is the dude the breakout is is here 82% of routes is what we've been crying out for season 27% targets per route run 10 targets it's only going to get better. It's green fields from here for Rashi Rice. I, For me, this kind of usage is going to be wide receiver two rest of the season. He starts every week in the fantasy playoffs for me. Um, I think it only gets better when you put Mahomes' back against the wall, as it is right now, as they're trying to get a bye. I think you're going to see better days from this offense. Rashi Rice will be at the heart of that. Um, and then also um, Zeke Elliott. Um, for me, could be a league winner down the stretch here. I don't see a reason why the Patriots would bring back Ramadre Stevenson. He's under contract next season. What are the Patriots playing for? The one seed is the best possible outcome for them. And I don't think they get that because two and four, it's going to be unlikely the Panthers are going to get past three wins. But let's say they do. They're either going to tank and then they're not going to put their best player on the field, which is, makes sense, or they're kind of stuck where they're picking in the top three. And also they're not going to play Ramadre Stevenson because he's like he's under contract. They're not playing for anything. If their best outcome is what? To pick out in the outside the top five? I don't get it. There doesn't seem to be a logical path to play him. Zeke is on a one-year deal. If you want to see what Zeke can do, you're going to run him off the road. You either re-sign him, and that's great because he's done a good job, or you don't re-sign him, and you just run the wheels out. Either way, it just makes logical sense to play Zeke out for the rest of the season. So I don't see a logical reason to bring back Ramadri Stevenson. I think Zeke Elliott, 91% of snaps, 78% of routes, seven high-value touches. For me, it's wheels up um, all day long for the rest of the season. Uh, for him, so I just think if you, I, I'm worried. I'm not saying drop Stevenson, but if you've got Elliot, you know, play him to the moon. I can't see Stevenson playing this week. No. How about All right, you, my friend. Perfect. Are you ready for my Jaguars? Let's do deep, it. Deep dive. Okay. So I had been 
I have a lot of Travis Etienne shares. He's my favorite player in the NFL right now. Um, favorite running back at the very least. And so I was curious, like, okay, what has what have the Jaguars been doing? Because it seems like when they don't run the ball a lot, they lose. And when they do run the ball a lot, they win. So I actually went and just charted it out myself. And the Jaguars are 0-4 in games that they have run the ball 25 times or less as a wow. team. They are 8-1 and one if they have run the ball at least 26 times. Then if we get specific to Travis Etienne, they are 8-2 and two when Travis Etienne has at least 14 carries. They are 0-3 if he is less than 14. Oh, wow. Okay. To me, that screams run the ball and get the ball to Travis Etienne at least 14 times, and you've got a good shot to win. The outliers for those were week three. They ran 27 times, and Etienne had 19, and they lost. I think that was the first Houston game, and that was a weird game. And then this past week, they only carried 20 times as a team, but Etienne had 14 of those, and they lost. Mm. That's strange. And so I had Travis Etienne on my sheet as well. He actually ran a... Uh, 78, he played on 78% of snaps, which is yep. the most he's played on since week eight, since the bye. Yep. So I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I think the coaching staff have finally cottoned on to that too, because they've got him out there more. They're just not getting the ball in his hands. Maybe that's managing a workload. Uh, because again, he was second or third in touches this season. So there's probably a small element of that. So. I'm glad you brought that up because they have a third round rookie running back on their roster. Tank Bigsby, who you obviously probably know I'm super high on. Tank has 36 carries and four targets all year long. And most of those were in the early games of the season. Like he got a few when he was in London. Week one, he had seven. And then week 11, he had nine. Other than that, it's been two or three per game. And he only had one against Houston back in week 12. Didn't carry against Cincinnati or Cleveland. And I'm just, so if you want to manage workload, why not give it to the rookie running back who's known as a more powerful back than ETN, I think. And definitely more of a powerful back than Dearness Johnson. Yeah. So Jaguars, I hope you're listening. (laughs) Because is I figured out how you can win games or at least be more successful. Absolutely, man. I'm so with you on that. Like I couldn't agree more. So, and then a uh, little, little side note with the Jaguars as well. Parker Washington with uh, Christian Kirk being out has played 59% and 62% of snaps the last two weeks respectively, and has caught a touchdown in each game. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a guy who's deep stash. Been- Definitely steep slash play. Not sure if I'm risky here in the playoffs yet, but <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he is someone that has the potential to be his chaos player. So someone that you can't legislate for um, having a big week. So yeah, he's a great, um, he's a great stash to make sure that he doesn't appear against you in a fantasy lineup. Yeah. Love it. Um, yeah. With you a hundred percent on that one. Um, I had a couple more around. So we were talking stash plays. Chase Brown 
So again, I'm with you on this. He's another chaos player for me. The last couple of weeks have proven that the, he can definitely cause chaos. 31-yard run uh, against your Jags. And then um, last week he had a 54-yard touchdown. Um, but, you know, the volume isn't there. He had in, in you know, week nine, uh, week 13, he had nine carries, no targets. Uh, in week 14, he had eight carries for 25 yards, by the way. So he, he was averaging 3.1 yards per carry and then three receptions, which went for 80 yards and a touchdown, but it's that 54-yard touchdown. So, yes, okay, he had 11 touches. He had nine the week before. It's not sustainable work, and especially if you take the 54-yard touchdown off the board there, the, volume, the, the yardage isn't great. So just be really careful as this excitement. It's the same with Keaton Mitchell. Like, yeah. if guys make explosive plays, that's great. Everyone's chasing the Devon A-chain um, hotness. Right, exactly that. <laughs> Which oh, is look, Devon... historical and record-breaking. Exactly that. And everyone missed the boat on it. So what they're doing is, oh, Keaton Mitchell can do this because he breaks a big play, and now everyone's chasing Chase Brown for the same thing. It's not going to happen. And also, you just cannot start guys that aren't going to get you at the position a minimum of 14 touches. It's just not sustainable. It's not, you know, these players, they are where they are for a reason. You know, Devon A. Chan is a rookie. And yes, I know Keaton Mitchell is also a rookie and Chase Brown is is right there with them. But the bottom line is Devon A. Chan is in a far more explosive, um, he's in a far more explosive offense. He's in a scheme which we know is an old Chanahan scheme. We know they know how to use running backs, not seeing the same the same style of play here from Mitchell and from Brown. It's great that they're making big plays, but you can't legislate for those big plays. Great stash plays. They're chaos players. If someone starts them against you and they pop off, you'll be angry. Stash them away, get them out of play, stick them on a roster, let them rot. That's the best play for them. They can't score points against you, and you don't have to rely on them scoring points to win. So yeah. stick them away and stash them away. So um, yeah. I was going to chime in on Keaton Mitchell, Mitchell, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, Josh Larkey uh, at Jay Larkey tweets, tweeted 75 different running backs have reached 10 carries in a game this year. Keaton Mitchell is not one of them, no, but not. he is currently consensus running back 28 on Fantasy Pros this week. Um, he's also averaging just one reception per game. And if we go look at his stats, uh, 18% snap share, 24, 36, 46, 33 per snap share, nine carries, three carries, eight carries, nine carries, nine yards. He's got the 138 yard game. He's got a 64 yard game and a 54 yard game. Yeah. He has, he's got two touchdowns and then he's got a 34 yard game and a 33 yard game against Cleveland and Cincinnati. I just, it's nice, and it, there's potential. Like, from a dynasty perspective, there's potential, right? But for this year and in the fantasy playoffs, unless you were just down bad, like, you, like let's say you lost Keenan Allen, uh, Nico Collins, you lost Tank Dell the week before somehow, and you're just hurting and you need a flex play, I'd be willing to consider someone like a Keaton Mitchell. Um because he's got a little bit more snap share than I think Chase Brown has consistently. 
Mm, yeah, but yeah. not this week. <laughs> yeah. Not, so, not the week 14, he didn't. Uh, he had, uh, looks like Brown had 30 and Mitchell had 33. Oh, okay. So they were close. They're, yeah. So they're very close. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, I would rather Mitchell over Brown. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm I'd rather Mitchell over Brown. But, um, the, the running back that led the, the Ravens last week, it wasn't Mitchell. It wasn't Gus Edwards with 10 sheet, touchdowns. I did. It's Justice Hill. Justice Hill, who is the most irrelevant back of the three, is somehow yeah. just coming along, stealing snaps, stealing touches. That does absolutely no good for anyone. Doesn't do good for his fantasy production. Doesn't do good for Ed, Gus Edwards' fantasy production. I'm now at the point where Gus Edwards, you have to sit him. The guy is a touchdown machine. But you have to sit him because there's so much, so much of a crowd there. They're all cannibalizing each other. The Gus Edwards is only fantasy relevant if he scores touchdowns. And he is that back, like Jamal Williams last year, where he can vulture and he can get them. But we're seeing more efficiency in the air now with this Todd Munkin offense. We're seeing OBJ cook. We're seeing Zay Flowers cook the last few weeks. I just think you've got to sit all these backs. Even Gus Edwards, you've got to sit him. Unless you're desperate. I mean, I have a league I have to start him because yeah. it's literally him or it's Samaji P. Ryan, I think. It's literally like that bad. And know. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer, <laughs> right? And, that, and that's yeah. fine. If you're in that situation... That's okay. Like it's it's fine if that is the situation you're in. But if you have a better alternative, and by a better alternative, I mean someone who is RB thirty or above. Yeah. Then you play them. I'll have Jalen Warren over Gus Edwards this week. I have Najee Harris over Gus Edwards this week. You know, I have pretty much any any running back in the league that's starting is gonna be over Gus Edwards this week. Um, I'll go with one more and then I'll hand back to you. Um, I want to talk about, we'll keep on running back. So keep, go with Tajay Spears, 65% of snaps in back-to-back weeks, um, which is awesome. And again, dynasty perspective, really cool. Uh, really good to know that he's growing in that role. However, still not someone that you should be itching to start because Derek Henry has got all the value, all the value touches licked. Everything inside the 10, everything inside the 15 is all going to Henry. So it's great that Tarji Spears is getting work. He's a very low-end flex play. I'm sure you've got better options. Um, but ultimately, it's good that he's trending in the right direction. It's good to keep an eye on. Maybe if the Titans kind of lock a position. Tarji Spears is a heavy stash for me in the fantasy playoffs because they could get to a point where they just bench Henry. If there's nothing to play for, they're kind of stuck where they are. They might just get say to to, to Tarje in week 17, go wild. We'll just bench yeah. Henry. And that that is in a range of outcomes. That's why you want to stash him. It's good the usage is going up. It's even trending that way. But he's not at the he's, starting range yet. From watching that game on Monday, too, he has a connection with Will Levis. Yeah, like There's yeah, some absolutely. chemistry there that if they do – what you're saying that could possibly happen, which I could totally see happening. Like he could, he could be a league winner if he ends up playing in, in week 17 and having the majority of the snaps because he's got that connection with Levis. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm going to hand back to you. You got any more guys who you're. Yeah, I got one more um, trending the wrong way. It's a tight end. Uh, okay. And it's Cole Komet. 
So I I put on the show sheet that he's playing against Cleveland and they're the number one defense against tight ends. They're just a damn good defense in general, but they have shut tight ends down like nobody's business. And then I did a little more digging, Murph. Since Justin Fields has come back in week 11, Cole Komet has five points, 11.3, and 11.6 in PPR, and no touchdowns. Yeah. I love Cole Komet with all of my heart. But if you have any other option this week, I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally with you. I I have quite a lot of Cole Komet and Gerald Everett Yeah, <laughs> combos. Literally, I have that combo in about four leagues, and I'm exactly the same. I've benched Cole Komet in all of them for Gerald Everett. I just think Gerald Everett, yes, is Eastern Stick, but there's no Keenan Allen. Josh Palmer's back, but he's back off IR. You know, Quinn Johnston hasn't got it done. You know, we're not expecting Eastern Stick to launch it towards Jalen Guyton. No. So who is left? <laughs> it's going to be Eckler and it's yeah. going to be Everett. Yeah. And I just, right? yeah. So I'm expecting a lot of short stuff, a lot of intermediate stuff to get him comfy, a lot of prescripted early throws to get him confident. It's going to go to Eckler and it's going to go to Everett. And that's where I see a lot of this play going. I think both those guys could end up around the, Anywhere from sort of 22, 18 to 22% target share. Eckler could be RB1 this week pretty easily. If if he can get some confidence and yeah. he can break a few. 100%. Unfortunately, he got a good workload last week and didn't really make it pay. Yeah. But I definitely think there's a range for that outcome. But yeah. I do think you're going to see a lot of Eckler. You're going to see a lot of Everett this week. I'm quite happy I have Everett in the Scott Fishbowl. Like nice. I'm happy. St- I've got him and Ingram and nice. I'm starting and I haven't started Everett at any point this season, except for, except for, except week for, nine. yeah, except for the bye. It's the only time I've started Everett this season. So you start both this week. I'm starting both. I like it. Cause I just think you've got to, you got to roll the dice. And I just think I really like this matchup. I think it's a good one. I like the fact that they're going to get him in the game. So yeah, I'm with you Everett over, over Cole Komet. It's massively against consensus. I don't care. I'm in all day I'm, long. So I'm, with I'm terrified of Cole Komet this week. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I don't think I've got him starting anywhere. I'm I'm completely with you. I just had to quickly look it up because I had the number and I completely forgot. Um, the Browns are giving up to tight end six and a half points. Six and a half points, fantasy points to tight ends. Have they given up a touchdown this year to tight ends? Uh, none. Yeah. I knew it was one or zero. Yeah. The Titans have only given up one. So, so yeah, another one. So, cool. Yeah. I think I, they play uh, Houston. Is that right this week? Yeah. So yeah. Dalton Schultz with maybe no CJ Stroud. Yeah, that could be a rough one as well. That's a nice segue. I love it because I want to talk about Xavier Hutchinson. If you want a guy that is like 99% free, as in no one's got him, and you need a player just to plug and play to see what goes wild, my absolute wild, well out of left field, has absolutely no basis to put this on, is Xavier Hutchinson. Xavier Hutchinson got 70% of, um, of, he ran 70% of routes, 
when Nico Collins left the field of play. If Nico Collins doesn't play this week, uh, forget CJ Stroud for a minute. Let's just talk about wide receivers. They've lost Dell. They've lost Collins. We've just talked about City. We've just talked about Schultz against the Titans, who are the best D to, tier, to tight ends in the league. And then all of a sudden you've got, um, you know, they'll run the ball. So I think it's a good good week for Singletree. But they're going to have to get the ball to someone. I don't think it's going to be as much Robert Woods because there's been the opportunity to do that and it hasn't happened in recent weeks. I think they're going to try something different. They put a lot of draft capital in Xavier Hutchinson. I think they want to start to see what's going to happen. Don't be surprised if Xavier Hutchinson pulls out a 10-point or more fantasy week. I'm going to call it now that I think he can pull out a 10-point-plus fantasy week. I'm not starting him. I'm just saying, if you're looking for a a deep stat, like you're absolutely snookered at the position, Xavier Hutchinson is a name out of nowhere that you can add at the last minute. And I tell you what, I I call it now. I'm taking my shot. I think he's going to get 10 fantasy points or more this week. So, yeah, that's, uh, I just think my caveat to this is if Nico Collins plays, all bets are off. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm not sure that Nico Collins does. If Nico Collins plays, all bets are off. But if Nico Collins is out, Xavier Hutchinson, 10-plus fantasy points. I don't care who's throwing the ball. I think he's going to get it. Um, talk about someone who's getting the ball a lot. Jane Reed. Um, he, got oh, 10, like he got 10 targets last week. But the A dot was 0.8. 0.8 A dot on 10 targets, and he got four rushing attempts. Now, people will look at that and go, hey, what's that worth? I look at that and think, hey, they want to just give this guy the ball. Yeah, like they're just prepared to just get him the ball anywhere. They're like, hey, do you know what? We're just, even if it's short, we're expecting to make plays. So people look at that ADOT and go, oh God, that's terrible. I look at that and think, hey, they just want to force feed this guy the ball all the time. They've got the Buccaneers. Buccaneers suck against wide receivers, fantasy wide receivers. Jalen Reed has had four 19-point weeks or more in the last five. He's going to do it again this week. Jaden Reed is an absolute smash play this week. He's undervalued in the consensus. Start him. Start him with confidence. Start him everywhere you have got him. This is a great matchup. I don't care if Christian Watson's playing or not. That doesn't even affect my thinking. He he is getting the ball. He's getting the ball a lot. He's being trusted. Another one's getting the ball a lot. Devon H. We talked about him. He's got nine targets. Um, his targets worked out at 41% targets per route run, which is massive, right? Normally it's around about 20, 22%, right? Now that tells you a couple of things that says to you that he's not got high usage because it's nine targets and 41% targets per route run. So he's not running routes all the time, but it also tells you they want to get him the ball. They're scheming Mm -hmm. deliberate plays to use Devon Achan's explosiveness to make plays. So ultimately, again, I look at this, I look inside the data, I look inside of it and think, why? That's weird. And then it's because they want to get him the ball. So, you know, again, Devon Achan, it's not high volume, but they're going to scheme him and they're going to get him the ball where they can. And they're going to try and get him in the open field to break a big play. 
So again, it's another player you can start with confidence. You probably didn't need me to tell you that, but it's just some increased confidence that you can definitely start him. And then I'm going to go with one more running back tandem, which is Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to me is an absolute trap play. You, you're going to look at the volume, right? If you look at the box score scouting on, on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he is getting work. Don't get me wrong. He's getting work. He's getting all the wrong work. He's getting that kind of work that is just going to get you a high RB3 finish at best, right? Jarek McKinnon has got the role that you want. It's the same role that he had a, a smashing league winning streak towards the end of last season. He's got all the work inside the tent. He's got all the receiving work. He's got all the high-value work that's going to lead to high-value fantasy points. It's all going Jarek McKinnon's way. Yes, he's not got all the donkey-value carry work that you would like, but if this ball is anywhere in the red zone, it's not going to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Maybe they might smash him in on the goal line. That might be the only exception. But if they don't get the ball to the goal line, it's going to go to Jarek McKinnon. Or it will go somewhere else. It's not going to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Don't get trapped. Do not start Clyde Edwards-Hilaire unless you, again, you're in that situation. And you might be in a situation you have to, and that's fine. If you have to, he might scrape you 10 fantasy points. He might. But Jarek McKinnon, if he is available, that's if I'm sitting there thinking about I have a choice between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Jarek McKinnon, I'm taking Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon has got a 22, 25-point game in him in the type of role that he's going to play. And we've seen it. It exists. That data exists. Just go look at the last five, six games of last season. It is out there. And it's the same scenario. It was the same scenario that happened at the weekend. They played a very good defense, catered, but all the value touches went to Jarek McKinnon. It's going to open up for them. Don't start. If you have a choice between the two, just don't start Clive Hilaire. Just bench him <laughs> and play Jarrett McKinnon. In fact, just get Clive Hilaire off your roster. Let someone else start. Let some other schmuck play him. And, and see what happens, because I'm just concerned that he is going to come in, he's going to score six or seven fantasy points, and he's going to knock you out of the playoffs. So yeah. just, if you have an alternative, play an alternative. If your alternative is Jarek McKinnon, play Jarek McKinnon. That's my uh, public service announcement for the week. Um, <laughs> man, I've loved this. This has been incredible. I can't believe yeah, I've not had you on till now. I'm definitely getting you back in the off season because we'll talk some rookies because your rookie analysis is phenomenal, my friend. Thanks. Um, before we go, tell everyone where they can interact, where they can find you, where they can find your work, where they can get some of your insight and knowledge and, and brain, and also where they can find out more about Polly's Pockets and enter next year. Yeah. So anything that I put out, I will likely tweet out or X out, whatever the hell you want to call it at this point. I don't care. Um, playground is what I'm referring to it these days. Oh, I'm so calling it that from now on. Uh, but you guys can follow me on Elon Musk playground at FF Shane B. Um, again, anything that I do will likely be there. Um, so been on a little bit of a hiatus for red zone redemption, my podcast, but once I get that started back up, in the off season, that's where that will get tweeted out. It's on all your streaming plat or listening platforms because I do audio only for that. Um, and then rotoheat.com. I've got my uh, Dynasty Superflex rankings. I just updated those uh, this week for the first time in too long. Um, and then I'm working on my 2024 rookie rankings as well as uh, some Debbie, Superflex Debbie rankings. 
Uh, and you can find all of those on rotoheat.com. And then Pauly's Playoff, uh, I will tweet out the uh, registration form and the link to get signed up for that for next year. Sign up for year five um, because it's going to be a doozy. I am sw- I'm making more clear <laughs> rules so that I don't have to deal with as many questions. Um, I'm adding in more prizes. I am going to try and figure out a way to mathematically make it fair to have half of the field be best ball and All half right. the field be managed leagues. Um, and did I mention the prizes? There's going to be uh entry to Scott fishbowl. There's going to be um, a football guys subscription. If I remember correctly, uh, I've talked with Jeff at going for two. If you guys aren't familiar with the personal league podcasts that he does over there, um, basically you We'll have one of those for free uh, for a league. And we break uh, me and a couple other panelists will break down your league. They're super fun. Uh, we talk a lot of trash. Um, that's the only reason that Jeff lets me back on is for the entertainment value, because I will straight up say your team sucks um, <laughs> in these personal league podcasts. So those are just a couple of the prizes um, that are going to be available for next year. So, you can sign actually you can sign up at polysplayoff.com. Um, so Amazing. that is the our website. So thanks again for having me on, Murph. This was a ton of fun. No, nah, mate, I love it. It's not gonna be so long next time till we speak and do this Sounds again. Sounds good. Um, so absolutely, and also I will return the favor if you want me on in the off season or whenever, you come grab me, we'll do it. Um, follow Shane, he's a phenomenal guy. Great knowledge, but if nothing else, he's just one of life's great dudes. So make sure you go and follow him at uh, FFShaneB. And like you said, the more of these charity events you get in, a lot of them are giving away entries to the Scottish Bowl. So if you've never got into it, you know, winning one of these tournaments, that is hard in its own right. But hey, it's a great way to get in and get those. But nothing else, like, like I said at the top, you know, there's some just amazing people that play in these tournaments. It's the best way to just meet content creators meet friends um, and make connections and, and just have a lot of fun doing it. And yeah. I love Polly's Plus. I don't know why people ask about the rules. Uh, I think they're clear um, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So um, I think you do a great job, my man. I love it. Like I said, I was gutted to fall short this year, but I'm coming back for it next year. I've got a vengeance on it. So um, it. Rush Nation, thank you so much as always for tuning in, for interacting, for everything you do. Let's go and get the harbor full of ships. Let's uh, bring them home better than the Spanish Armada and whatever you do. uh, Don't forget, until next week, as always, keep rushing. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.